Hello and welcome to The Shepherd's Voice, the podcast of Catoctin Covenant Presbyterian Church here in Purcellville, Virginia. My name is Pastor Charles Biggs, and I'm here with Pastor Ben Franks. Good morning. Good morning. Our question this morning is, what is the Heidelberg Catechism, and how can it be particularly useful for Christians today, Pastor Ben? Yeah, so we are um, going to be uh, spending some time here on the Shepherd's Voice podcast talking about, talking through the Heidelberg Catechism, and so that's a great question to get us started, to kind of orient us. Uh, Many of our listeners are are probably familiar with the idea of a catechism, basically a way of teaching, the, 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 the passing on the faith, you know, teaching us what we believe, and it does it in a really engaging question and answer format. It's not just kind of throwing all this information at you, but it's it's helping us to give voice to the questions that we have. You know, who is God? What is sin? You know, what, what's going on in baptism? You know, things that we, that we wonder about. And then it gives us short biblical answers to those questions. And that's something the church has done for centuries. As long as there has been the church, um, she sought to ta- pass on the faith using this format. Um, many of our listeners may be familiar with the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which was uh, the catechism written by the Westminster Assembly in the 1640s for the English and Scottish churches and then coming over to America. That's often what, if we grow up with the catechism, we grow up with. And it's a wonderful, of course, uh, statement of the faith. But uh, another catechism that emerged from the Reformation as well, although about 80 years before the Westminster Shorter Catechism, is a catechism called the Heidelberg Catechism, and that's what we want to, want to talk about today. So the Heidelberg Catechism is was uh, originally written for the German Reformed Church. Um, many uh, German speakers were were Lutheran, uh, some were Catholic, but what people often forget is many of them were Calvinist and Reformed as well. And there was one leader in particular, uh, uh, Frederick III, uh, who um, wanted to have a, a good summary of the faith that could teach children, especially, what they should believe, that could help pastors know uh, the doctrine that they wanted to teach and, 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 and remind their congregation of, and then also something that would unify. I think we often forget catechisms, creeds. Um, we often think of them as you know markers of division, but that's not really what they're for. They're there to unify us, to pull us together, to articulate the faith. And so Frederick um, called on a, kind of a team of, of, of pastor theologians to write out a new catechism. And the two men who were most involved were, were uh, a gentleman named Caspar Livianus, who was a great, uh, great theologian, and uh, Zacharias Ursinus, especially. And, and Ursinus is probably the, 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 the main author of the Heidelberg Catechism. They worked together. But what they produced in really a very short period of time was uh, a catechism that is very biblical, of course, uh, but also very beautiful, very pastoral, very practical. Um, it, it uses a very kind of personal tone, as, as you'll see as we go through it, and often has an eye especially towards the, the believer's comfort. You know, what are these truths, and how do they, how do they help us to follow Christ? And so it's just a wonderful expression of, of the Christian faith um, in a Reformed uh, key, we might say. Yeah. And uh, the, the structure of the catechism is helpful for us as well, in that really what um, Ursinus and Olivianus were doing was not just giving us kind of a, a partisan view, but it really is a Reformed Catholic um, expression of the faith. And, and you can see that in, in kind of what they cover, that there's a few introductory questions, but then the whole first part of the catechism is really them walking us through the Apostles' Creed, which is the classic summary of the Christian faith that 
all Christians at all times and all places hold to. And then after that, they go through the Ten Commandments, which is that classic summary of the Christian life, the ethics of the Christian life. And they help us understand how that summary of the law relates to the gospel and how to get the order of those things right and what it looks like to live out of the gospel in accordance with God's law. And then at the end, they, they, they walk us through the Lord's Prayer, which has always been seen as a, as a kind of uh, blueprint for, for piety and obedience. And that's a pattern that many catechisms will, will follow, but you see that, that unity that's there in taking that approach. Uh, but it is articulated in the context of and, and out of the, the Reformation. And many of the men who were involved with this work had um, made great sacrifices for the faith that they confessed. And there was actually you know, controversy around this catechism at the time of, of, um, because of the, the truths that it was stating. But it's something that has been embraced not only by the German Reformed churches, but it was quickly translated into many languages, not just in Europe, but non-European languages. It traveled around the world. Uh, it said that after the Bible... Uh, Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress and Thomas Akempis's Imitation of Christ, the Heidelberg Catechism is the most published and most translated book in the world. And uh, if you know any uh, Dutch Reformed uh, brothers, uh, you'll know that they love their Heidelberg Catechism. In fact, one of the unique features of the Catechism is that the 129 questions were broken up into 52 Lord's Days. So the idea being that you could cover a few questions each week, and in the course of a year, you would have covered the whole uh, kind of summary of Christian doctrine. And so that's something that's really, I think, makes it useful for us, because we can go through that in our personal worship. We could go through, you know, one Lord's Day uh, each week, or you could do that as a family. Uh, some churches will will do uh, lessons or, or doctrinal sermons, kind of uh, allowing the, the catechism to guide them. And so for all of those reasons, it's something that uh, is, is, is greatly valuable for us today, and we're excited to uh, explore a bit of the Heidelberg Catechism with you in the in the months to come. Yes, and um, what you said about Frederick the Pious uh, during the 1500s um, in his uh, bringing this catechism together through Olivanus and um, and Ursinus. Um, it's interesting the date 1563. Um, it would be published in the year that uh, John Calvin uh, died. So it was uh, written and published uh, between the deaths of Martin Luther and John Calvin. I think that's quite significant. Um, something that um, I see when I contrast it with the Shorter Catechism, which uh, our congregation and our family is very familiar with, is that it starts with the I, the personal first person I, uh, that what is your only, what is my only comfort in life and death, that I, and, and it continues. And I think that's very rich uh, devotionally and biblically. Um, you find in the first question of the Heidelberg Catechism that we'll look at in our uh, next episode, Lord willing, that it's a triune in its structure, that it begins with the Lord Jesus, his person and work for us particularly, uh, but also the care uh, of the Father uh, in his good providence over us, and then the Holy Spirit in his making us willing uh, and able to believe and to live out the Christian life. And one thing about the larger structure that you mentioned that I wanted to uh, say more about was 
how it gives you in the first two questions uh, the gospel of the Lord Jesus for oneself, for one's family, for one's congregation. And it gives you the three G's, as I try to remind my daughters and uh, those I come into contact with as a pastor, is it gives us those three G's of our guilt, you know, the grace of God and the gratitude to respond to that grace. And I think as we see those three parts, um, it's often useful when preparing, preparing sermons or teaching or thinking about the gospel. Uh, just this morning after our uh, time together at breakfast, I uh, ran into two gentlemen that I was able to share the gospel very quickly. But what will often go through my mind is you've got about a minute <laughs> before they may turn you off. So GGG, yeah. guilt, grace, and gratitude. Sometimes there's a scripture, you know, that uh, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, or that uh, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. But it's so useful, I think, to think in a sermon or in a teaching, in a one-on-one -on -one, uh, interaction with others with the gospel, am I making clear the guilt that we have before the triune and holy, holy, holy God? Am I telling them about the great grace of Lord Jesus through his precious blood? and the salvation he brings, and am I reminding them of the gratitude we now have, that great privilege of responding in obedience in the, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I'm looking forward to looking at this together with you uh, in this year, and uh, pray that it will be um, extremely useful. Yeah, um, and we, we talked a bit about the, the history there, and as Pastor Big said, it was January 1563 that this was published, which means that as we're recording this, it's the 460th anniversary, which is just a providential blessing. And this catechism has had a very long history in many denominations. And Pastor Biggs, you had something you wanted to share, a kind of a sampling of that history, right? Yes, I have uh, my copy of the Hattleberg Catechism uh, is from the 19th century, from the 1800s. And uh, it was put out by Daniel Miller, publisher of the Reformed uh, Church uh, in Reading, Pennsylvania. And it starts out the opening service for the catechetical class. And I just thought uh, to give a flavor of uh, the way that uh, this would be uh, taught each Lord's Day by the pastor, perhaps in what we'd call a Sunday school um, or a Sabbath school. And uh, so uh, the pastor opens with, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the catechumens respond with, Amen. And then the pastor says, O Lord, open thou my lips, and the catechumens respond, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. And then the pastor says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And the catechumens respond, and renew a right spirit within me. The pastor says, Cast me not away from your presence. And the catechumens respond, And take not your Holy Spirit from me. And the pastor says, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And the catechumens respond in, uphold me with your free spirit. And then the pastor says, open thou mine eyes. And the catechumens respond, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And then there's a recommended hymn to sing. And then the pastor and the catechumens together uh, recite the Apostles' uh, Creed, I believe in God the Father. And then the pastor says, Lord, we believe. And the catechumens respond, help thou, O Lord, our unbelief. I think that's beautiful because the whole purpose of the creed, the, the credo, is to uh, instill biblical belief in us from very early ages so that we'll learn um, in uh, very uh, memorable, biblical, thoroughly theological, 
even devotional ways, uh, the substance of the Holy Scriptures. And if I may, Pastor Ben, I'd love to pray the prayer that the pastor would lead the congregation in or the catechumens yeah, in let's as close we with close. That. Shall we do that? And maybe we'll do that a time or two when we're actually reading through the Heidelberg. But uh, listen to the content of this beautiful prayer, and you also will get the purpose of why we catechize, why we want to ask this question-and-answer format that is very similar uh, to the way our Lord would ask questions and seek answers of his disciples and of even those who might oppose him. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we beseech you, regard with your favor and visit with your blessing these catechumens these studying your catechism, and all others who unite with us in these services, enlighten us in the teaching and the learning and living of your holy word. May your Holy Spirit attend it with saving power to every heart. Most merciful Savior, you are the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by you. We beseech you, guide us in your way, lead us into your truth, and imbue us with your life. Help us diligently and rightly to learn and remember your holy word, to keep it in a good and honest heart, that being made free from sin and having become servants to God, we may have our fruit unto holiness and in the end, everlasting life. Most merciful Father, we beseech you, work within us sincere repentance toward you and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Pardon our sins and purify us by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit from all inward uncleanness. Make every one of us your true child, a faithful member of your church, and an heir of everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to learn more, you can find resources about this and many other topics on our church website, www.catoctin.org. That's www.ketoctin.org. You can find out more about the work of Pastor Biggs as the Regional Home Missionary of the Presbytery of the Mid-Atlantic at www.joiningtheharvest.org. If you found this episode to be useful, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. If you have questions that you would like us to answer or consider in a future episode, you can send those to us at shepherdsvoicepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we encourage you to join us for our next episode of The Shepherd's Voice. Thank you.